friends, now we're going to move um, even more deeply into our experience of the word today. Uh, we'll be reading um, and sharing together the story of Lazarus, the raising of Lazarus from John 11. And just to set the, the scene, Jesus has just barely escaped a confrontation in Jerusalem. He moves on and he keeps teaching. But as he moves to the, the next town, his friends Martha and Mary send word uh, that their brother, Jesus' beloved friend Lazarus, has fallen ill. They beg for Jesus to come. Jesus tells his disciples not to worry, and he waits a couple days to go. Uh, and in the meantime, Lazarus dies. When Jesus decides to go, his disciples try to talk him out of it because he's heading back in the direction of, of Jerusalem. Bethany's close by. He's heading towards danger, but Jesus insists on going. And just as he nears the village where Mary and Martha lives, that's where our scripture this morning picks up. And Martha Spears, Alice Graham, and I will be reading the scripture. We'll be reading my own translation of the Greek. And Martha Spears is going to start us off. Martha? When he arrived, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany is near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many people in the Jewish community had come to Mary and Martha so that they might console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary stayed at home. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to Jesus, I know that he will rise in the resurrection in the last day. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even though they may die, will live. And all those who live trusting in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you trust this? Martha said to him, yes, Lord, I do believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. After Martha said this, she went and called her sister Mary aside and said privately, the teacher is here and he is calling for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still at the place where Martha met him. And when those who were there with Mary in the house comforting her saw that she got up and hurried out, they followed her thinking that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell on her at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and all those who had come with her weeping, he was moved with anger in his spirit and deeply troubled. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then some of those who were there said, see how much he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus still moved with anger and deeply troubled, came to the tomb. It was a cave and the stone was lying against it. 
Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench. He's been in the tomb for four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believe, if you trust, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus raised up his eyes and said, Father, I give thanks that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I say this for the benefit of the crowd standing around so that they may trust that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the one who had been dead came out of the tomb, bound hand and foot, his face wrapped in a burial cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him, let him go, set him free. Please pray with me. Holy God, in Jesus Christ, you stand in the midst of us, in all of our suffering and all of our pain, and you bring a healing word. We pray for that healing word here and now for the living of these days. Amen. I almost decided not to preach on this scripture. This scripture is the story of Lazarus. Lazarus is gravely ill and his sisters Mary and Martha send for their friend Jesus because they know that Jesus has healing power in his hands. But help doesn't come in time and their brother dies. Sometimes scripture can seem distant and far off. These stories come to us across a span of thousands of years from a land far, far away, and sometimes the preacher's task is to bring these ancient stories close. But that's not the case with this story. I almost decided not to preach on this scripture because this story feels almost too close, with the air there and the air here full of apprehension and illness and even death. So here's why I am preaching on this scripture, on this text. I'm preaching on this text because the story of Lazarus gives a glimpse of resurrection before we head into Holy Week. I'm preaching on this text because this story shows us life stronger even than death. I'm preaching on this text because the story overflows with love more powerful than anything and everything that can do us harm. I'm preaching on this scripture because maybe these words of resurrection and life and love, maybe they are the words that we need to hear most in these days. Maybe all those things that Mary and Martha and Lazarus and their community and Jesus felt, maybe the things that they felt are the things that we are feeling right now. And this is a healing story. And the Bible is full of healing stories, not just the Gospels, but the rest of the New Testament and the Hebrew Scriptures. The Bible is chock full of healing stories. Someone is suffering, they cry out, and they're healed somehow, some way. These stories aren't unique to Christian or Jewish traditions. They appear across the cultures and they express a basic human need, the need for healing, the need to be made whole. One of my gospel teachers, Professor Ann Weyer, says that all healing stories have the same basic structure. There's a need, the need is voiced, and the need is met. There's a need, the need is voiced, 
the need is met. That's simple enough. She says healing stories all have this basic structure, but what's interesting is how they tell the story. What's the specific need or the range of needs? How is the need voiced? Who voices it? What do they say? And how then is the need met? How does healing come about? So let's look for that here. The first need that we see here is that Lazarus is sick and he is in need of healing. And then he dies and there's a need for life. And then we see his sisters and their community grieving, their hearts broken, or as Virginia Tebow suggested in her Lenten art, they are all there with broke open hearts and they're in need of comfort. And then there's all the stuff that comes with deep grief like that. There's a need for answers, for an explanation. Why God, why? Deep need everywhere, all around. And see how that need is voiced. Mary and Martha send a messenger to Jesus. Lazarus, whom you love, is sick. Please come and help. And when Jesus finally comes, Martha doesn't sit at home. She walks down that road and she meets Jesus head on. Lord, friend, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. She voices their deep pain and she says some true things, some true things that demand an answer. And then Martha says, I know that even now, even now, you have the power to do something here. I know that you have the power of life. And then Mary comes and falls at Jesus' feet, weeping in grief, voicing their need with her whole self. And there's this community all around, mourning with them, weeping with them, surrounding them with love, voicing the wound of the whole community together. And then there's Jesus. Jesus comes upon the scene already in progress. He encounters Martha and then Mary, and he sees the community following at Mary's heels. And the scripture says in the translations that we usually read that Jesus is deeply disturbed. The Greek, though, is actually closer to anger. It's, it, it's stronger than anger. Jesus is moved with anger in his spirit and deeply troubled, deep in his gut. He is all stirred up. And Jesus stands in the midst of all this woundedness, all this hurt, all this death, all this raw grieving. And it says that Jesus weeps. Jesus wept. This really isn't a story about Jesus coming too late. It's about Jesus showing up with everything that he is, every bit of his humanity, every bit of his divinity. Jesus shows up and with everything he has, he stands against the power of death and he weeps tears of compassion and love and rage. The need here is voiced in Martha and in Mary and in their community and in Jesus, in their bodies, in their flesh and bones, all of them together, voicing this deep hurt of this family and this community, the deep hurt of the world, this deep need for healing. And then see how the need is met. Now we know that Jesus will call Lazarus from the tomb, but before that, before that, you have this community gathering around Mary and Martha, responding to their loss. They bring comfort to those who mourn. They comfort each other. I think of, of the communities I know. We bring casseroles and we fill up the fridge. We sit there together for as long as it takes. 
And we have Mary and Martha in the midst of this, driving the story, doing everything they can to get their hands on healing. They call Jesus there. They confront Jesus. They remind Jesus what they know he can do. And there is Jesus. And we know that he calls Lazarus from the tomb. But remember, before he calls Lazarus from the tomb, Jesus weeps. And there's this this strange little prayer. Did you notice that? Jesus stops everything and says, Father, I thank you for hearing me. For, for hearing me? What, what has Jesus said to God? I mean, I mean, he's talked with Martha and with Mary. They've had this back and forth, but Jesus hasn't really said anything to God. He's just wept. Father, thank you for hearing me weep. I think that what God has heard is Jesus weeping, raging, and weeping at death. And Jesus tells them to roll away the stone. And they roll away the stone and Jesus cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the one who had been dead walks out of the tomb alive. And then look at what happens next. Jesus says, unbind him. Let him go, set him free. And I imagine that this community staggers toward Lazarus. Martha and Mary first, and they, and they reach out. Maybe they pause in the power of the moment, and they begin to remove the strips of burial cloth, strip by strip, until they stand before each other, healed, alive, and free. This is a healing story. It's a story about the healing presence of Christ embodied in community. Theirs is a world, a moment full of sorrow and fear and illness and death, and they come together in the midst of that. And Jesus stands in the midst of them, and they comfort each other. They tend the sick. They say true things. They weep and they rage, they stand together against everything that would do them harm, even death, and they live, and they love, and they set each other free. Christ's healing power in the midst of them, Christ's healing touch in their hands. I'm thinking of all the folks who even now, are sitting at home sewing together protective masks for nurses and doctors, taking the bright patches of fabric that they can find in their homes, any spare elastic, and doing something stitch by stitch to help the cause of healing. I'm thinking of all those folks who are working in grocery store checkout lines and restaurant takeout counters, those who are delivering groceries, those who are finding new ways to prepare and deliver meals to people living outside to make sure that we all, and, and particularly the most vulnerable, can eat. I'm thinking of all the folks who are reaching out from our places of shelter to companion each other, to check in and see how folks are doing, to see what they need, to just say hi. I'm thinking of the new ways we are finding and building to stay in communication, like worshiping on Zoom and praying together on Zoom. Who would have thought 
just one month ago, who would have thought that we could do this? I'm thinking of all those folks who are still working for justice, even from their place of shelter, making phone calls to Congress, writing letters to oppose voter suppression and to help get people re-registered to vote, adapting and persevering in the work of justice. And of course, I'm thinking of nurses and doctors and hospital chaplains and everyone working in hospitals, grateful for their courage and all the ways that they are working to exhaustion to help heal and care for the sick and also to be present for them and with them in this strange world where families too often can't be at the bedside. And I'm thinking of this thing that we're doing here, all of us and throughout the Bay Area and the nation and the world, trying to do this thing that will only work if we do it together, trying to flatten the curve of this pandemic by sheltering in place. We are sitting tight, giving up the freedom of movement we often take for granted so that together we might slow the spread of this disease as our local governments and the medical professions rush to build capacity. This story, it's about so much more than Lazarus. It's about Lazarus and Martha and Mary and the community that gathers around them and Jesus. It's a healing story, a story about the healing power of community, the healing that we can only do together, healing embodied in us. But even that's not all. This is a story about the, the power of healing in community and it is ultimately a story about love and about life. That's what we see here. I have another gospel teacher, and he says that in the Gospel of John, seeing is always for the purpose of believing, and believing is always about trusting into God. We see God's love embodied here in the healing power of Jesus and this community, and we trust into what we see. And in trusting, we see even more. We trust into God's love and in trusting we find our way to life, into eternal life, the fullness of life, the abundance of life, right here, right now, and forever. We've shared several stories from the Gospel of John this Lent. Think about what we have seen. For God so loved the world that God came to us in Jesus Christ. The Word became flesh in the midst of us. The Word became flesh in us, full of grace and truth. Embodying that love, God empowers us to create with each other entirely new ways of living into relationship, what, what we're doing right here. And then in this morning story, we see Jesus standing with us in the midst of everything that does us harm, embodied with us in community, calling us into life. Friends, this is why we come to church. This is why we gather together. We come together so that we can see this good news and hear this good news and live this good news so that this life-giving love becomes embodied in us, deep in our bones, so that it is there when we need it the most. So that when we need it the most, we can trust into these truths so that we can say, for God so loves the world, so that when we need it most, we can say, God is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. 
so that we can say when we need it most, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, not life, not death, not things present, not things past, not things to come, not height, not depth, not length, nothing. Nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. These healing words of love and life are true right here, right now. They are true on out into forever. And they will be true on those days when we need them the most. <laughs>